We are here again to discuss another NBA second round playoff series. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the one seed in the East, Philadelphia 76ers, and the five seed, the Atlanta Hawks. I am Chase Carrico, and this is Spotlight Impressions. First up, let's go ahead and talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. They played the 8-seed Washington Wizards in the first round and were well on their way to sweeping them before a what is being listed as a small meniscus tear for Joel Embiid took him out of Game 4. They dropped Game 4, won Game 5, so they took out the Wizards four games to one. But uh, it's going to be such a key factor of whether or not Joel Embiid can play in this series, how close to healthy is he, if he's going to play the whole series or part of the series, I have a feeling he is going to try to play every game, but if he does that, I really don't know if he's going to be at 100%, Uh, I'll have to talk about that injury a little bit more later, but as far as the series itself, I don't think the 76ers had that big of an issue taking care of the Wizards, aside from that game four where Joel Embiid went out. In the first game, it was a little bit close. I think they trailed by a point or two at halftime, uh, where, weirdly, Tobias Harris, I think, had 25 or so points at halftime, maybe 30-something points, uh, and ended up with about 37 Uh, And then they took care of Game 2 and Game 3 pretty easily. Again, Game 4 in Washington, they lost, but uh, they had, I I believe they had the lead when Embiid went out with the injury. He was definitely positive on the uh, plus-minus and the box score. But I think they were leading before he went out, and I think we're probably going to sweep them if he were able to play a full game. And then uh, Game 5 wasn't too difficult for them. They went back to Philadelphia and played really well. Uh, So just to kind of run that down, Embiid was fantastic in the games that he did play consistently, positive in the box score constantly, massive positives in the first three games there. Uh, He didn't rebound as well as I thought he would um, from a sheer volume number, but uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he didn't even play 30 minutes a single game in this series. That's how dominant he was in the time that he was on the court. He just didn't have to play heavy minutes, which you would think was a good thing. He still ended up going out with injury, which has really always been the big concern with him. He missed most of his rookie season. I think he might have missed an entire season early in his career, too. He's uh, been a little bit more healthy lately, but the fact that he's missed so much time has been the concern with him. Is he going to be able to stay healthy and productive for an entire playoffs? And even this year, when I've said this is the litmus test year for me, are they going to be able to really do something this year? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? One, but also even if he does, can this team win consistently? And he's already shown he's not healthy right now. A meniscus tear doesn't sound like something that he can come back from 100%. Um, Again, I'll talk about the total outcomes of this later. But overall, I am worried about how he's going to do in this series against the Hawks. Uh, Ben Simmons had what would mostly be a pretty good series, I think. Uh, The first three games, kind of along the lines of Embiid, he played pretty well. I think he definitely does better as the number two or number three guy for a team. He is not 
someone who's built to be the best player on a team, definitely not the best offensive player on a team, even though he's a good enough playmaker to have the ball in his hands a lot. But I think he struggled a little bit in that game four when Embiid wasn't there. Game one, he had... And again, game four is the one that Embiid went out in. So he played about a quarter or so and then went out. In game one, Simmons had what I call the Draymond Green special, which is a uh, double-double without the points. He had uh, a double-double with rebounds and assists. And then he had a triple-double in that game five win that they had. I do wonder if part of it is the game plan. When Embiid goes out, they should be a little bit ready to go out and do something, but when they actually got to sit back, and it was a home game, but plan for Embiid's not going to be here, what is our offense going to look like? I think that is a a better indication of what's going to go on there, uh, and a better sign for Ben Simmons looking good, so we'll see if Embiid does have to miss some time in this series, how Simmons responds in that aspect, and then I think Tobias Harris is really the number one option, so we'll kind of move on to him. Harris, uh, nice little, I think this is an interesting fact to look out for. In this series, he had two games where he attempted more than 20 field goals, and those are the two games that went the most poorly for the 76ers. That was game one, where they trailed at halftime, and it was fairly close throughout, and I think they won by a seven maybe and then game four that they lost. Those were the two where he attempted more than 20 field goals. Uh, He attempted 17 in game five, so even when Embiid wasn't there for the entire game, he didn't hit 20 field goal attempts, and they did better. So I think they get in trouble when they rely on him too much. He's definitely a good player, but if he's the guy taking 20, 25 shots for you, that's not good news most of the time. Uh, And again, I think... Well, this series in the second round, of course, is going to be a little bit more difficult. I think it's going to be harder for them to overcome him having to be a focal point against the Hawks compared to the Wizards. And then just look at a couple other players. Uh, Seth Curry hit a few shots, but I, I would just really focus on Danny Green. He... At times, I honestly think he looks washed, like he is done out of the league. There were times, especially last year with the Lakers, it was like, I I don't think he's as good as he used to be, and I don't think he's going to be able to put up the same minutes with the same impact as he did in the past, with the especially with the Spurs, but also even with the Raptors. And that uh, one season he played with Toronto and they won the championship, and then... He comes around and puts up what I I thought was a pretty good series, especially, I think it was Game 5. I could be mixing these up because they kind of came in rapid succession in my head, but I think it was Game 5 that Green was just hitting shot after shot after shot. And, uh, I mean, a jump shot's not something that would necessarily leave you as you age, but you still have to have the ability to get open, and he was doing a much better job than I thought. I think he's still at least a capable defender. He used to be very good. I think he's probably lost a little bit of a step as he ages, but he he's a player to look out for, especially if he has a game where he gets hot. That's one of those where if he comes in and hits six threes, that could be the difference in a game, and he could lift them to an extra win. So especially if Embiid can't play huge minutes, the 
way that Danny Green plays, I think, is going to indicate how this series goes. Uh, and then just to look at one other player that I'm going to want to watch, I didn't see a bunch of him in this series, although I believe he's the one that came in and uh, started when Embiid couldn't in Game 5, was Matisse Thibel. He's such a good defender, and it really doesn't seem to bring much else to the game right now. He can make a couple of shots, but he is a liability on offense. He is one of the biggest disparities between offense and defense, I think, in the NBA. So I'm interested to see, uh, really regardless of what happens with Embiid, but I guess especially if he misses how much time he plays, you know, uh, what his impact is and how much you can play him going forward. But uh, again, they didn't have too much issue with the Wizards on this one. Bradley Beal played okay. I didn't think he was as good as he probably wanted to be, but I think he's been playing hurt. And then Russell Westbrook kind of did typical Russell Westbrook things. He had two triple-doubles, I think, in the series. Uh, one of them in a win, one of them in a loss. And the win, I think he was 3-for-19 with a triple-double. It's kind of incredible that they were able to survive that. But, uh, I mean, that's just that's how I view Russell Westbrook at this point, is that he is a an inefficient triple-double guy. He's not going to score as well as you want him to, but he does everything else, and he plays really, really hard. But there wasn't too much. Davis Bertans didn't do quite as much as he wanted, and I think he missed some time in this series, too. Uh, pretty sure he played, but I think he might have missed some time at the end of the series also. Uh, and he's become one of my players that I kind of love to hate, just for varying reasons, including the play-in game against the Celtics, probably primarily. Uh, but... Yes, so that kind of wraps us up for what I was talking about with Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Five-game series where they won 4-1 to one over the Wizards. So, of course, next we are going to be talking about the Atlanta Hawks, who also won their series 4-1. to one. This is the, big, the first big mea culpa that I need to have uh, as far as my predictions go. I was pretty spot on with how the 76ers series was going to go said they were going to win in probably four or five games, and they won in five, but probably I think would have won in four with Embiid. Uh, but the Hawks, who did not have home court advantage, and they had to play the Knicks, the four seed, I had the Knicks winning that series in six or seven, and <laughs> it, it was not very close from a game's perspective. I do think they played three or four of those games pretty closely. They had a chance to win some of them, so it kind of felt more of a six-game series more from a morale perspective than a five-game series, but the I, I owe the Atlanta Hawks an apology. They played really well in the first round. I will say, not an excuse of me being wrong here. The Hawks deserve to win, and I should have given them better credit there, or at least considered them a little bit more, but the Knicks were just so disappointing in this series. And some of it was a little bit predictable, I think. They're a defensive team that has offensive weapons, but really not a fantastic playoff-ready offense in and of itself. Julius Randle really struggled in the series, but I think one of the biggest things was that the Knicks just seemed to have no offensive game plan at all. I was really surprised to see. There are some things that... Um, I talked about this in the last podcast with when I was previewing the Nets and the Bucks. The playoff, the regular season, there's an adage that says that the 
regular season is about your strengths and the playoffs is about your weaknesses. What is the weakness for the Atlanta Hawks? It's some of their positional defenders, specifically Trey Young, and they didn't attack him. There were times when Julius Randle got him or R.J. Barrett got him or whoever Trey Young was guarding, they never really attacked. And I know some people said the Knicks just... They don't have that offensive superstar that's built to attack a weak defender that some of the other teams in the playoffs would have, but I think Julius Randle should be able to. Randle should be able to post up Trey Young. Randle, as long as he doesn't commit a turnover, should be able to drive on Trey Young. I don't know why they didn't attack him, why they didn't force switches on there. I think the Hawks just successfully hid him, really, and that's just not what you need to do that doesn't seem like smart offense but even aside from that I felt like they just seemed like they were playing pickup basketball basically I couldn't understand any kind of offensive scheme or philosophy they were going for in this series it was just I have the ball I'm gonna try to do something okay I can't do anything I'm gonna kick it out now that I have it I'm confused as to what I want to do I maybe should have taken this shot but I'm gonna pump fake now I'm gonna dribble now I'm gonna drive but then I'm gonna pump fake again and then take a bad shot their offense was just really bad in this I think they wanted to kind of muck up the game and keep this kind of a half-court series, and they were not able to because they were not able to put the ball on the basket. Offensively, they were just very poor here. I thought Barrett would do better, but I really thought Randall would do better. They did a really good job of double-teaming Julius Randall strategically. The Hawks did, and on defense, they played pretty well. And they, as whereas I do think the Hawks, weakness comes on the defensive end with some of their players they've got some very good defensive individuals uh, you have Clint Capella of course who's the anchor of that defense I think there's a case that Capella's their best player I definitely think there's a case that he was their best player in the series he played really good defense he's such a good rim runner and he does a great job in that pick and roll with Trey Young but his defense on top of that the fact that he plays so well two ways he's a solid offensive player and an excellent defensive player uh, I think he really contributed a ton, and I think he was about as good as Trey Young. But then Trey Young, they kept showing graphics of him having 25 points and 10 assists and being the first player to do that in his early playoff career. Um, not the first, but like one of five or six, and most of those were huge name Hall of Famers. Anyway, as far as I was talking about defensive players, sorry. Clint Capella, excellent. And then you've got DeAndre Hunter, who really impressed me. He played great defense throughout the series. He's the type of player that uh, you probably want him guarding more wing players, maybe in like the two through four range. But I think he's legitimately got the capability to switch on just about any player. Like he could switch out onto a point guard. He could switch out onto a center. And he does really well with those wings. Very good defensive player, and he also brings it on the offensive end. I think he's taken steps forward, uh, especially just overall this year. He missed some time, and when he was playing, he was really good. So I think the Hawks are really happy to have him back for the playoffs right now because he looked great. Then they I don't think they're particularly deep. They traded Rondo away, who didn't do much for them, but is putting in good minutes for the Clippers, for Lou Williams. He's not playing a ton. Uh but then they they have Kevin Herter off the bench. Uh, they don't have Cam Reddish in this series. I'm not sure how well Reddish has really been doing, but I do think that as far as a depth piece is something that they're going to miss. But they're starting uh, 
Boyan. No, sorry, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And he, while I didn't think he was particularly good in this series, there are definitely spurts where he just kind of caught fire, and you can see that he is a very good offensive player. And not a bad defensive player. He's got decent size, and he tries, which is really important, especially for a team there that isn't elite on defense, just has good defensive pieces. You need the rest of the pieces to be trying for you, and Bogdanovich does that. So then you've got Young and Bogdanovich, you've got DeAndre Hunter, and then John Collins, who, uh, props to him, there were some murmurs, I think early this season, where he was unhappy with their role and unhappy with the direction of the team. Some of that may be, have been on the coach, and when they got rid of Lloyd Pierce and put Nate McMillan out there, maybe he's happier now. I think he has had to take a back seat to Capella and Trey Young, which is probably disappointing for him, but he's made himself a competent three-point shooter, a competent defender, decent finisher at the rim. So like, if he's your third or even fourth with DeAndre Hunter, third or fourth best player, that's great. Uh, and then again, <laughs> if Bogdanovich is your fourth or fifth best player, again, that's great. They are going to struggle with depth again. Lou Williams coming off the bench, and then Kevin Herter, who I don't think is quite as good of a defender, but he's a very good shot maker. If they kind of keep that rotation tight to six or seven players, they should have a decent chance here, I would imagine. And then uh, with how the Knicks played, the Hawks did a great job. I think Nate McMillan, there are some complaints about him overall, but he, in my opinion, at least thoroughly outcoached Tom Thibodeau in this series, which was not what I expected. Because McMillan really didn't have that much, or, or maybe any playoff success with the Indiana Pacers. I don't think he won a series, if I recall. He got really close. He took LeBron and the Cavs to seven games once when they had when they had Victor Oladipo, but uh, he was a little bit disappointing with Indiana. Now I think Indiana really wishes they still had him, but uh, he he coached a great series. That five-game win over the Knicks was well-deserved, and I think they actually, especially if Embiid misses time, are going to pose a good threat to the 76ers, but uh, just... Overall, the Knicks disappointed me and the Hawks impressed me for sure in this series. And that that's obviously good news for the Hawks going into the second round. And now to talk about how these two teams match up with each other. And I'm going to have to break this down a little bit into with and without Embiid and then kind of meet in the middle somewhere. Because... While I think Embiid is going to play in this series, I think there's a very reasonable chance at least that he's going to re-injure that meniscus and have to miss games. I definitely don't think they're going to play him extensive, extensive minutes, even though it's going to be important for him to probably do so. But uh, so he's probably going to try to play every game of this series, but there's a chance that he gets re-injured. And even if he doesn't get re-injured and miss games, I don't think we can assume he's at a hundred percent. So I'll kind of break it down as how I see it as a hundred percent versus him missing time and then meet in the middle there. Um, if Embiid were totally healthy, I would I feel pretty confident say that this is going to be a five-game series. I think the, Heat, uh, the Hawks might catch enough offensive mojo going in one of those games in Atlanta that they could pick one up there, and then they would just it'd be kind of like that Wizards series where they come back home for Philadelphia 
uh, and they can take care of that fifth game. But uh, that being said, who knows? I do think there is a way that the Hawks could make it competitive, even if Embiid was healthy, that this is one of the series where it kind of matches up to me, at least as far as star players go. Obviously, Trey Young and Embiid are very different, but Clint Capella and Embiid play essentially the same role. Um, well, not the same role, but the same position for their respective teams. So I think they would spend a lot of time guarding each other. If Capella was able to really muck things up and play good defense, which I think he's going to play good defense, a lot of it would probably come down to fouls, if I had to guess. If either of those players got in foul trouble and either had to sit a little bit extra time on the bench to avoid picking up extra fouls or play a little bit more timid of a style of basketball... I think that would be pretty huge. So if one of those players could stay out of foul trouble and get the other in trouble, that's the kind of thing where, I mean, if Embiid got Capella in foul trouble, the Hawks wouldn't have any answer for Embiid at all. But on the inverse, if Capella got Embiid in foul trouble, I I don't think the 76ers are a phenomenal team without Embiid. So if he were able to kind of win that battle or at least make that a push, I think the rest of the Hawks would be a good matchup. So uh, I'm really interested to see how that goes. That's one where I'm not super intrigued as to who guards whom. They'll probably have to guard each other, uh, but that that's kind of a key there. I think Trey Young, he he's done such a good job as picking his spots. I was surprised to see he didn't really jack up shots for this team, which is a credit to him because I think he had to do that some in college, and that's a little bit of the player we thought he might be. But... He, he's such a good facilitator. He just seems to be really smart. As much as people like to criticize him about drawing fouls, he does that for the most part just very strategically and intelligently. He knows the game of basketball very well. He reads the floor really well, makes the right pass, makes the right play, does the right thing to draw a foul. So I, I'm not going to, as much as he does seem like a villain and he's another player that I probably love to hate, I'm not going to disrespect him for the way he plays the game. I actually think he's really smart. And there's a good chance that he could go out and have a good series. On the other hand, though, Philadelphia's calling card is their defense. And Atlanta's calling card is probably their offense. They should be able to put up some points here. But Philadelphia's also going to try to hold them down, especially on the perimeter. Uh, of course, Embiid's a good defender, but then when you go out, um, I guess Simmons kind of is that X factor where if you need to stop the front court, Simmons could probably play a bigger and guard a bigger player while Embiid does too. And if you have them, plus uh, Harris is at least big. I don't think he's a particularly excellent defender, but he's big enough to guard the third best front court player on a team. If he needs to, uh, he may end up guarding uh, DeAndre Hunter, maybe. Uh, if you have Simmons on John Collins, you could, of course, go with Simmons on Trey Young. So Simmons is probably the most interesting one of where do you throw him? Because he, I don't think Simmons is going to guard Capella, but he could very easily guard any of the other four Hawks starters. Uh, in, in addition to him, you've got Danny Green, who is starting and should be a pretty good defender. And then you've got Thibel, assuming Embiid's healthy, coming off the bench, who's an excellent perimeter defender. So they are going to be able to throw out some pretty solid defense, aside from Trey Young. 
another really fascinating thing. I don't necessarily think that the 76ers have multiple options of attacking Trey Young. As I said, I thought the Knicks probably should have uh should have gone back and said also um well, I'll get I'll come back to it in a second. But as far as Trey Young goes, I don't think Danny Green's really going to be able to attack him. You might be able to get Tobias Harris to attack him, but again, I don't think to, Harris is that good of a player that you're going to be able to love that matchup. Uh, Harris isn't going to win a matchup by posting up Trey Young or by shooting over Trey Young, I don't think anyway. So the the two big ones, obviously if you were able to get Trey Young guarding Embiid, Embiid could just swat him away like a fly, go score and maybe even pick up a foul. I think the Hawks are going to be smart enough to say under no circumstance do we want Trey Young guarding Embiid. So I'm I'm kind of going to gloss over that. Although if you do put him in some action that forces something along that those lines to happen that probably if if Young doesn't switch on to him that's probably still going to be an advantage and bead whatever happens as far as uh, trying to get the primary defender to get through a screen or something so that's something to look at but more importantly I'd be so interested to see about Ben Simmons I Simmons should be able to post up Trey Young I would think uh, he maybe could drive by him too he's not going to shoot over him that's not what Simmons does whether that's to his team's dismay or not but he might be able to score on him. So if Simmons could take advantage of that matchup, that's another really big key. Even if Young, I'm sure they're not going to put Young on Simmons initially. They might try to put Young on probably Seth Curry or Danny Green. I don't know which of those two would be the better matchup. Probably size-wise, I'd put him on Seth Curry, but Curry's such a good shooter. Uh, Green is too, of course, but Curry is a great shooter, so you're going to really have to tell... Young that you have to close out hard, which I think he can do. I imagine Young knows the position that he's in where he has to at least try. He's in the playoffs, so he's going to be at least capable there. But that's probably the matchup that I anticipate seeing him on. And then we'll go to uh, the the other way that I think you beat the Hawks. And the thing that more so than attacking Trey Young... I couldn't believe the Knicks didn't attack Danilo Gallinari, who's one of the other players that they bring off their bench. I thought he looked like an absolute statue in that first series, and the Knicks didn't take advantage of that. He was the least athletic and slowest player on the court. He doesn't have the size of Capella either, so it's not that he has an excuse. He's just older, he's had the injuries, and... I mean, Randall drove by him anytime he wanted to, and I think any player really could have. Barrett could have. You could have had Derrick Rose driving on him, but they didn't really pick on him very much either. So um, while it would probably be smart for Atlanta to try not to play Gallinari and Young at the same time, I think that's the easy offensive scheme. If you don't have anything else, just say, okay, let's get a capable offensive player attacking either Gallinari or Young at any time, and that's at least some form of offense. So uh, that's what I think that the 76ers should do. So again, if everything, if everyone's healthy and Embiid were actually 100%, I would call this probably a five-game series. Officially, I'm going to say five games, even though I wouldn't be shocked if it was four. 
but I don't think Embiid's going to be healthy. So let's pretend for a moment that Embiid is really unhealthy. He maybe he tries to play game one, re-aggravates the knee, and never plays healthy minutes throughout the series. I honestly would actually pick the Hawks here. Without Embiid, I don't think the 76ers have enough offense. They they looked okay in Game 5 against the Wizards, but they looked really bad in Game 4 against the Wizards. And I think the Hawks are just too good. I think the Hawks are better than the Wizards are. And when you look at it that way, to me, I think the Hawks would win it in 6 or 7 games. So... If I were to meet this in the middle somewhere and say Embiid is playing at 80-85%, I think the 76ers would win the series. I think the Hawks would make it really competitive. I could see it be six or seven games. I'm going to say what I was telling myself earlier, that the 76ers are going to win this in six, which I think is pretty fair. I think... Uh, to give the Hawks two games in the series is nice. But again, that's with the caveat of if Embiid doesn't play much or is really, really hindered, I think it's going to go seven and or six and the Hawks would win it. So uh, another, this is a fascinating series. It's going to be a really, really disappointing season for the 76ers if they can't manage to, I, I mean, if, even if it takes them seven games, they really, really need to win this. Otherwise, it's going to be a big problem. On the other hand, this is already a win for Atlanta to me. They made the playoffs, which was step one. They got a good matchup and won the series pretty decidedly, which is awesome. So they should, they're should they already playing with house money. And I think if they smell a little bit of blood, they might be able to take it a little bit further even. So uh, I'm not going to rule out seeing the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, my official pick here is going to be 76ers in six games. So that's going to wrap us up with another episode of Spotlight Impressions. As always, take it easy. Be good people out there. Please be good people. Be safe. Treat each other well. And just enjoy these NBA playoffs. This has been a treat already, and I think it's going to continue to be. And I will be back soon to talk about more NBA second round playoff matchups.